0: It's episode 11 of Off Course with Claude Harmon. Comes to you every Wednesday. This week's guest, Pat Perez. Um, I mean, what can I say about Pat? One of the uh, true originals on the PGA Tour. Multiple winner. Always has uh, a lot to say. Always has really good, solid opinions. Not afraid of a hot take. And a new student of mine. I started doing some work with Pat the week of Congaree, so, week before the US Open. Was one twenty five on the FedEx Cup and said he was struggling. So, we've been grinding it out for the last uh, about a month and a half and starting to see some good results. And has moved to one oh nine in the FedEx. So his goal was to try and get as far as he could into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So he's looking for a good couple of weeks to finish um, his season and then start in New York and then hopefully try to get to the second playoff event at Caves Valley. But Love working with Pat. He's one of my favorite people on tour, and he always has really good stuff to say. But first, let's unpack last week, golf at the Olympics. Xander Schauffele, gold medal winner for the United States. Rory Sabatini from Slovakia, not from South Africa, Slovakia. And then C.T. Pan from Chinese Taipei gets the bronze. I watched. Um, I think a lot of people watched, um, even with the time zone. And um, the Olympics, whether – I mean, there are are players that didn't go and there are players that chose to go. And and the players that chose to go talked about how they thought that guys that didn't go were missing out. Um, Roy McIlroy was was pretty honest and open about him saying that he maybe didn't think it was as big of a deal as it turned out to be. And I I think being involved and being a part of it and competing – in the Olympics, I think probably changed Rory's mind. Justin Thomas talked about how it was one of the coolest things that he's ever been a part of. Uh, we've got the women's, uh, this week, which I think everyone's going to be excited to see, um, some of the best players in the world. What can the Koreans do? What can the powerhouse Americans do? Um, first guest on the podcast, Mel Reed will be representing the United Kingdom. So definitely rooting for Mel, but, um, It was a great golf course. Uh, Hideki made a run. Tremendous amount of pressure for Hideki trying to win a gold medal in the same year that he wins the first major as a Japanese male. Um, So I think there was a lot of pressure on Hideki. But the golf course looked amazing, and um, it was good drum. I think it was a big win for Xander. Uh, hadn't won in in a couple of years. Um, hadn't really won ever really from the front. He was kind of a guy that, by his own admission, was better at chasing. Um, great story with his father who you know, had dreams and aspirations of, of being in the Olympics and then was in a, a car accident with a drunk driver. So Xander playing, um, I think, with a lot of um, extra, extra... You know, fight and wanted to try and get it done for not only the United States and himself, but also for his father and anybody that spends time around Xander's dad. He's one of the true characters on the PGA tour, uh, one of the funniest guys on the PGA tour, and always has you know, amazing things to say. And. If you end up trying to stop stop and talk to him for five minutes, you're gonna end up there for 15. And that's what I love about Xander's dad. He's he's one of the coolest cats on tour. But it's a gold medal for Xander. He follows in the uh footsteps of Justin Rose. And you know, is this now going to have more players um wanting to play in the Olympics, France and then LA? It looks like. And you know, is is the venue going to change? people's minds is, you know, when it goes to LA, is that going to change, you know, guys that didn't go the first or the second time, but, um, you know, it was exciting. I watched it and, uh, I've been watching a lot of the Olympics. And, um, I think for someone like Xander to have a gold medal, to hear the national anthem played and to know that you are an Olympic champion, uh, be interesting to see where the Olympic rings get tattooed. Will he, uh, stick with that tradition? I hope he does because everyone else does it. And, um, you know, congrats to all three for uh, meddling in the Olympics. A lot of moving parts. A lot of things had to happen for guys to get there. And hats off to the organizers and, and you know, hats off to everybody that went and uh, represented and competed in the Olympics. But as I teased earlier, Pat Perez is this week's guest. And as I said, uh, you won't find a player on the PGA Tour that is more authentic and wears kind of his emotions and heart on his sleeve. The good, the bad, the ugly. You know, I love the fact that Pat really doesn't shy away from any of it. And um, he's had a, a pretty interesting career. And, you know, it's, he's kind of in that zone right now that a lot of players find themselves in where, you know, he's hes five, six years away from the senior tour Still wants to compete on the PGA Tour, and he is working hard. We've been putting in a lot of work, and I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. He got himself in contention at 3M and was on the leaderboard, and he talked a lot um, to me over the last week about how exciting it was for him to get back there, and this was an interview we did early in the week at the 3M, so sit back and enjoy Pat Perez. Pat Perez Pat Perez, been on tour how many years now?
1: This will be 20 coming up.
0: 20 coming up. 2021. What do you like about professional golf? What don't you like about professional golf right now?
1: Uh, I don't like the fact that I've had to play so much this year. <laughs> I haven't played well <laughs> until uh, basically we started playing well. You know, playing together, working together. So uh, it's been a grind. I played a stretch of 13 to 15. And I played horrible the whole time. I played thirteen events and got like thirty points. I mean, it was just embarrassing, terrible, uh, worst year I've had in a long time. And um, you know, you know, we've got a baby, and we got a baby coming. Wife's been pregnant. It's just been like a million things going on this year. I haven't been home, and she's been struggling, and you know, taking care of the baby and this kind of thing. You know how it goes, life. And playing I, bad. I, I don't you know. think
0: I don't think the the fans and people that watch golf realize how much life. Regular everyday life that everybody has in their life can affect professional athletes, professional golfers, because you guys don't necessarily ever really forget how to play or hit the golf shot. No. And, you know, I've been teaching about the same amount of time that you've been on tour. And a lot of times when players struggle, there are things happening off the golf course. They're building a house. They're having a baby, a parent. is like Something is happening. And I don't think the public realizes how much your personal life can affect your professional life
1: yeah this year's been a lot different obviously we, you know but I, when we had the other baby i just won twice so life was kind of great you know we bought a new house it wasn't a lot of stress and you know she was we had the baby and it was like everything was great and now this uh you know i've played so bad this year and you know we got things going on all over the place and she's been pregnant now for eight months and you know i've been on the road forever which i don't like to do i don't like to play that much because i usually get my Card taken care of, you know, kind of early. And this year I'm stressing out, and you know, I'll see the 125, and I'm going to be on the you know road all the time. And uh, you know, we got a boy coming a couple of weeks, and it's just been a, a different year. I just haven't played well. I've been on the road a lot. Like I said, just it's just kind of a weird year. So, how much has being
0: a, a father and being a parent kind of changed your outlook and changed your view and changed
1: your career? It changed a lot, you know. I, I, golf is like five on my list now you know i mean it really is i'm you know i love my wife more than anything and you know we our baby girl she's so fun i'm like missing a lot of great time with her and you know i'm in an age now where i'm i'm kind of stuck to where do i want to you know work that hard and grind it out until i'm 50 or do i want to kind of just you know take a knee in a couple of years and kind of rest and you know raise my kids and then play at 50 again you know if i could obviously if i can turn it around and play well then it'd be easier because I wouldn't have to play as much if I was playing better each week that I played, then I could make more. And, and, you know, it'd be easier, but when you, you're grinding it out and you've played, I think it's my 33rd tournament this year. That's a lot, a lot of golf being away from home and playing bad on top of it just doesn't help. And, you know, you're like, God, I got to do this, but I got to do this. I got to do this. And I got to do this. It's like trying to balance it all together. This year has just been a struggle for me, but, um, you know, it is what it is. It's my job. I've done it for 20 years. Like I said, 24 professional. I've done it before. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can have a good three weeks coming up here and, and get in the playoffs and then kind of set my schedule again for next year and a boy will come and, you know, it will go. be great. But if not, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I'll still get plenty of starts next year. And I'll just keep keep grinding.
0: How different is the tour in 2021 than it is when you came out on tour? Right, i right. close. I can't what would mind. you say is the biggest difference?
1: The kids today are so much better than we were back then. Obviously, Tiger was Tiger. You know, he was phenomenal. F- you know, I've known Tiger since we were eight. He was phenomenal at eight all the way up until, you know, now. And But we didn't have a lot of Tigers. Now, not necessarily you have Tigers now, but you have – you've got 20 kids that are under 30 that are just phenomenal. And they come out, you know, 15 to 18. They're great juniors, and they get to college. They're great college players. And they come out, you know, the Spees, the JTs – you know, Rom. Now I knew Rom in college. Morikawa. You know, Matt Wolf. Man, all these kids—they they hit it a long way. Their short game is great. Their minds are strong. They—they just—they. It's just way different. When I got it, 24. It was like a party. Oh man, we're going to tour. You know, we're going to party. We're going to have a great time. And you know, the one thing I always regret is I didn't follow Tiger's lead more. As far as how serious he took it. You know, the working out and grinding and working his ass off with your dad all the time to be the greatest, you know, greatest player to ever play the game, in my opinion. But I didn't I didn't follow that. And I wish I would have followed that 20 years ago. Uh, you know, I I probably would have had a hell of a lot better career. But uh, the difference is these kids are just so ready to play now. It's unbelievable how good they are. You play with them and you're like, God almighty, I was never that good at 23 or 24.
0: But it used to be, and my dad talks about this a lot. When you came out on tour, they said you needed a couple of years Mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, figure out the ropes, figure out the courses. And And now we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a guy like Colin Morikawa who's come out and won two of the first eight majors he's played. And he's 24 years old. He's halfway to the Grand Slam by the time he's 24 years old. Whereas most of the time, you know, when you were coming out, they said, you know, you'll figure it out, your game, you'll find your game. And you're right. The kids come out now. And they're just – and I notice it more in that when they get opportunities to win, they're not scared. No, they win. They they win. Like, if you put some of these young kids who first, second year on tour, they they were good in college, but they've got a chance to win a golf tournament, and they have a chance to win – I think Jordan Spieth was the real first of that group of players who came out, and everybody said, listen, you know, he was good in college, but he might have to change some of his game. And then all of a sudden – he wins the masters and then he wins the US Open and he's got three majors in like like that. Oh, yeah, and nothing. and he's the number one player in the world. And everybody's like, oh, he doesn't need to change his grip and he doesn't no, need to oh, change exactly. anything. Yeah, exactly. And he's the greatest putter we've yeah. ever seen. Do you think the college system does that? Do you think that the mindset is different? Or what do you put it down to the college to? system
1: is better than when I was there and all we did was party. You know, we just rocked and, and party and this and that. And like, you know, I always say that when Tiger left at twenty, it was like, What's he doing? How could he possibly leave? No one left. No one left. Tiger was the first one to leave. And like, what's this guy doing? He's only 20. There's no way to go play with these pros. You know, boom. (laughs) A year later, he wins the Masters. But, you know, I, I wasn't really surprised. It was like, it was kind of surprising when you're seeing like, oh my God, this guy's actually winning the Masters by 12. How the hell is that even possible? But you know, he was so phenomenal in junior golf and, and college. It was the only it was the only move he could have done, and but he was really the only one that did it. And then it took a few more years after that before you started to see another young guy come out and be successful. I mean, Christ, when I got on eight when I got to the average age was like thirty seven. Yeah. You know, now it's about thirty. Yeah. It's the kids are just ready, and the, and the golfer. I
0: think when ti- it's the Tiger era, you know, and twenty years on, I think we're seeing multiple generations of players who idolized him Yeah, you know they didn't idolize Jack Nicklaus no. they didn't idolize Arnold Palmer they didn't idolize Greg Norman or any of those guys Tiger was their idol and yeah. now we're seeing more players come out I mean you must have noticed a big difference in the size of players
1: the height they're of players now. they're bigger now they're big now they're just they're, they are big and it, I mean it's amazing I mean it really is amazing you know growing up I didn't watch Jack I didn't even watch golf I never watched golf you know Knowing what Jack's records were, in I watched Tiger. We're the same age. He's three months older than I am. I watched what he did all the time. And I'm like, God, this guy's unbelievable. Not even realizing, you know, Arnold Palmer set, the, you know, set this, and then Jack set these, and this and that. I didn't know the other players. All I knew was that Jadon Blake had a Playboy bag. That was the- <laughs> I still remember that. And TA3, my man, looked unbelievable every time he showed up to Torrey. I mean, my favorite week was working at Torrey because I got to see all the pros, but I didn't really know them all. Because I was still, you know, in the Tiger era. But, yeah, these the, the whole system, the, the whole way of track man and the coaching of today is not like what it was back then. You know, you got more coaches, I think, are more knowledgeable throughout junior golf and high school and college. And then the coaches are more knowledgeable. you got TrackMans everywhere. Kids are learning, you know, what the ball does. We didn't know what the ball does. We did, you try to hit a shot. You know, the equipment's way different than it was back in the day kids are just smarter. They're learning it. They're just they're ready to go when it's time to go. When they're 21 – I mean, you think of this tournament here two years ago. You got Wolf and War in the playoff. 21-year-olds. yeah, Brand new on tour. you never had that. Never. You've never had two 21-year-olds. If Tiger was 21, he had someone that was Ed Fiore. Yeah. That he's competing against. Right? Davis Law. Yeah. You're not competing against another 21-year-old because they're not out there. They're not on tour yet. So, you know, Tiger obviously set – the barn and, and I think they kind of saw and studied what he did to make him so phenomenal. And I think that it's just the whole system, the whole game is completely different now. Different
0: Where are different. you on the distance debate? Because there are a lot of people, you know, there are a lot of people that say, listen, I'm tired of seeing players hit driver wedge on every hole. I'm tired of seeing them vomit over dog legs and stuff like that. Do you look at that in the same way that you look at, basketball and football and other sports you watch you know quarterbacks bart Starr and roger stallback yeah. and then you see what guys the modern quarterbacks are doing and and patrick mahomes and these athletes you look at basketball players what you know the basketball players are able to it's do now and
1: better you know do you think that's evolution do you think that's just part the, of we're the only one that changes the sport every year though we're the only one that changes course we make courses longer we make them harder we do this basketball court's been the same forever Baseball is still the same. Guys are hitting, you know, 500-foot home runs. No problem. Pitchers have got better. The athlete in general as a whole in every sport has just gotten better. Everybody takes more serious. Everybody's bigger for some reason, stronger, faster. I don't know what it is, but across the board, that's just the way it is. Every sport is – they're all giants now. They're all faster. You know, they're smarter. The technology of what's going on, how you can learn about the game – To make yourself better is so much different than it was 20 years ago. Do you think the courses, what's the
0: difference for you 20 years on? um, You've won multiple times on tour. You're close to 30 million in earnings. You've had a great career. What do you notice is the difference between the course setups now versus when you came out?
1: The courses to me are not as hard as I think they should be. We play a lot of the TPCs, which understandable the tour owns. But if you look at the cuts, the cuts have gone. When I came out, it used to be even, one over. You know, a hard course could have been two or three over. An easier course was only one or two under. Bro, last year Vegas, the cut was seven under for two <laughs> days. I don't give a damn where you're playing. <laughs> that is phenomenal goal. You shoot 69-69, and you are going home. I don't even understand. you got 75 guys that shot seven under or better for two days. That's crazy. I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, you got a guy like Bryson who's got 10 L wedges. 10 <laughs> L wedges. There's only 14 holes that he hit that are not part threes, right? Mm-hmm. 10 L wedges. Right. Drove the hole twice on number seven. I've never even gotten anywhere near that hole in two. So it's just the courses, you know, we don't play the best courses in the nation week in, week out. We just don't. You know, Riviera is phenomenal. I think that is that is actually my favorite one. So
0: what are the top, for you, what are the top five courses that you think that they, that non-major on yes. tour currently in 2021? The Riviera, top of your list is Riviera. Riviera. is number one.
1: Right. You know, you look at, um, you know, you look at a gust of the wind, when it's set up the way it's supposed to, you always get kind of the same number. I mean, Riviera, you always get between 10 and 14 under, always because, and that's with soft conditions. You look at, you, you, you know, I'm trying to think of it. You like Colonial? I love Colonial. It's always the same. 1,400. This year was a little more because it was soft and wet. Ball is in hand. Harbor is kind of the same thing. So town has got the smallest greens of all. In my opinion, they have the best four par threes on the golf course. Really? On one, on one course, the best par three setup because they're all within, you know, 170. Yeah, they're not 200. 225, 230. the green 230. is small. Right. 14 looks that narrow. Yeah, it does. With a six iron back there. Let me tell you. You know, but you get courses like here. Okay, here, you got guys, you got three, four guys, 700. Fairways are this wide. It's long. Greens are soft. I mean, it's just, it, it caters to not everybody. So, if you
0: were going to choose golf courses and choose setups for a tournament, what would you be choosing as the type of golf course and the type of setup?
1: One thing I would do is narrow up the fairways, just period. And fairways rough make the greens hard and firm. So if you do miss the fairway, you get a harder shot. That's the way the U.S. Opens used to be. U.S. Open, you, there were so many guys you used to hit two irons off the tee because you, it was like a bowling alley, you know. And now they're so long. Like Aaron Hills was a joke. No offense to you know Bruce Kefka, but it was a phenomenal win. But I I, I got on that like I got on that course and I go, who the hell do you think is going to win this? There's only six guys that can win this tournament. DJ. Uh, DJ, that's is before the shamble. DJ, you know JT Brooks, Rory, Rory. There was only but Rory like, missed the cup that. Yeah, week. Jason Day. You know there was only like six really long guys at the time that were gonna win. I lamed them off, and sure, sure as hell, Brooks won. Yeah, Ryan Harmon was in the mix that week. He hits kind of a hard knuckle draw with that driver, you know. But nonetheless, it was winning. It, it was gonna be one way. Tory, last. You know there was only it was another handful of guys who were gonna win. You know, Louie wasn't one of my picks, but, you know, it was DJ. Again, Rahm was actually the favorite because he loves playing there so much. And he's played it more than anybody, you know. So, the only guy that loves it more than him was Tiger.
0: You spent a lot of time with John Rom. You both went to Arizona State. You've watched him. How good do you think he can be?
1: I think he can be phenomenal. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Multiple majors. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I knew that in college. I knew what,
0: did you, what did you see in college that was different about him and that – because everybody, you know, Phil said that. Yeah. Uh, Phil's brother, who was the coach there, said that, and a lot of people out of college. And we've seen that before with players that you just say, "Listen, this kid is yeah. good. What did you see as someone who's won on tour, been out here a long
1: time? What did you see? He was fearless. One, two. He hits it. He hits it phenomenal. His short game was great. He doesn't. He's not afraid of any shot. He knows what it's going to do every time. He just hit. He just hit all the shots. He just hit all the shots. And once you got on tour and started to get even more comfortable with, you know, with it and, and getting better, it's just like he just knew. I just knew. I knew in college. I watched him play them a couple of times, and I, you know, I played with him at home all the time. I mean, we we played so well. He we doesn't shoot over sixty four anytime we play. It doesn't matter what's going on. Sixty four. Doesn't matter anytime. the course. Doesn't matter the conditions. It He's gonna shoot. He's gonna lie. He to shoots six so I believe every time we play. I'm like, God, this guy's gonna. To, I told you, on the owner Ben Herman, like this guy's never gonna be out of the top ten. It's just if he doesn't get hurt, which his action is is so good, the way that it is, he can't. I don't think he can get hurt.
0: No, I mean it's with very. His action. It's very repeatable.
1: It's repeatable. There doesn't. There's not a lot of stress as long as he doesn't screw up his knee or something like that. I, I just see John Rom being on top for a long time. I just. I just, I just see it. I think he's going to win. You know, I, I think he's, I think he's a better player than Morakow. I think he's better than DeChambeau. I think he's better than you know some of the other superstars in the top ten. I, I just think he's, you know, I've i played with some guys. You know, I played with Dustin. The two times dead the biggest lead on the tour, eleven shot, nine shot lead. I played them both times, and when I played them, I looked at H and I said, you couldn't catch this guy unless you shot him. I mean, there's, there's no other way. When Dustin is on, he gets faster. He gets more confident. The driver Hits the a, driver harder. Driver goes a mile. Short game's great. I mean, he is as impressive as I've ever seen someone that's running with the lead. It's incredible. You know, he, Brooks can do that. You know, DJ does that. Rom can do that. These guys, mm-hmm. they're not afraid of going backwards. They just keep going forward. Yeah. That's a rare thing to have.
0: So let's talk about some players. And I just want to ask you kind of what you think about their game. You know, you talked about Dustin, you talked about John Rom. Justin Thomas. What do you what do you like about JT's game?
1: Another one. Fearless, knows his game, knows what he can do, not afraid of the moment. Like the iron yeah. I, I bring up the iron that he hit it at Quail Hollow on 17. At seven iron be able to draw into that pin and hold it and make I mean it was phenomenal. It was that's one of the all-time shots. And an all-time time, that is an all-time shot to hit. To sack up and actually be able to hit that shot. Know what you're going to do and do it and then win the tournament. It was phenomenal. I was so happy for him. And There's guys that do that. Rory McIlroy. What do you like about Rory's game? I think Rory's the best driver of the ball I've ever seen. I think his wedges are not very good.
0: And he, and he admits that he he's not. trying to get that better.
1: I played with him at Boston a couple years ago when we had our baby three years ago. And I played with him for the first two days. And I, it's the greatest driving display i've ever seen and the fact that he was only like a couple ahead of me was unbelievable because he's got five clubs less than i do (laughs) he hits his wedges just too damn far from the pin i don't know what it is and why rory is unbelievably impressive i i I put him as close to a guy talent wise as, as a tiger yeah he's about the closest one i've ever seen to tiger talent wise and can do things make it look so effortless it's incredible. I mean, I think Rory is just phenomenal. I, I don't know how he doesn't win six times a year. I, I cannot figure it out because if I could hit that driver the way he does, I'd been retired five years ago. i <laughs> <laughs> smiling.
0: What do you like about Brooks' game?
1: I like Brooks' attitude. You know, once again, strong player, hits it, you know, knows what he's going to do with the driver, fearless.
0: Under, underrated yeah. iron player, underrated. underrated short game and putter. Very underrated. I think he's one of the best pressure putters. When he was on that run where he was winning all the majors, every putt he needed to make, he made it. It didn't matter if it was from four feet. It didn't matter if it was from eight feet, yeah. 15 feet.
1: I was uh, I was very shocked that he did not win that P.J. I was pulling for him way more than Phil. I wanted him to win. <laughs> I, don't, I, just, I, 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 I just wanted him to win way more than Phil. And unfortunately he didn't. But I played nine holes with him. Beth uh, Page, you've
0: page. walked a practice round with us we and played, you said
1: to me. <laughs> we played nine holes and I watched his shots. and I watched this driver and these 600s. I go, there's not a chance in hell. I congratulate him on Tuesday.
0: You did. We and walked awesome. off. You, and after you congratulated him, you said to me, you looked me right in the eye and you said, he's going to win by 10. He's going to win by Tiger by like numbers. He
1: was up by eight or something.
0: And what did you see
1: in, in in a practice round that led you to believe that he didn't miss a driver once, he didn't miss an iron. He had he had the swagger going. He he just knew you could see it in his the way he was doing it. It was Tiger esque in the fact that he knew it had already happened, and all he had to do was just go through the motions.
0: I mean, one, one of the things, things there's certain players. I think DJ's in this category. I think Rory's in this category. I think Brooks is in this category. That. They can, when they're on, they hit it with their speed. They hit it dead in the center of the face with the driver. God, and got that speed do it, it doesn't, it doesn't move that much. It doesn't curve that much. And they go, Jordan speed, what do you like about Jordan's game? His putter. <laughs> it's and that's about it.
1: But I mean, you know, he was 50% from 20 feet. You know, that year. I mean, you're not going to beat a guy when he's 50%. If I was 50% for 20 feet, once again, I would retired five years ago. If I was 50% for 20 feet today, I actually would have shot 500. He's
0: a grinder.
1: Big I mean, grinder. he's the ultimate grinder. Ultimate grinder. Always working at it. You know, I like Jordan a lot. I think he's a he's a great player. You know, he's a phenomenal putter. He's a phenomenal putter. I don't think his ball striking impresses me that much. But his putter is beyond impressive. I mean, it's Tiger-esque. I mean, it really is. When he's on it don't matter where he's from. It's going in.
0: How impressive um, is Phil winning another major in his fifties? After everything he's done, the crazy Phil world. How impressive is that?
1: I think it's uh, miracle esque. <laughs> be honest with you. Um, I mean, you've you've I known Phil. I still can't. You've win. known Phil the majority of your a lot, a lot of years, a lot of a lot a lot of years. I, I think it's um, it's actually encouraging you know, for someone my age because, you know, I'm 45 and change. I think it's pretty encouraging to watch him what he did to go through it, you know, because driver, he, he's a, he's not a good driver of the ball. So on a course like that, you're expecting something to go south at some point. You know, I would play with him when he's hit foul balls in the houses and stuff and just keeps hitting the driver. Phil, when he is on, he's he's unbelievable. And he's He has that belief that it's going to happen.
0: Do you think with everything that he's done, do you think Phil's overrated or underrated?
1: No, he's definitely not overrated. No chance. All right, uh, uh, not uh, he's definitely not underrated. He's not overrated either. He's he's neither. In my opinion, he's neither. I mean, you can't. I mean, he's the- had a phenomenal career. He's had a career that you know, if a Tiger hadn't been born, he would have been Tiger. If you think about it, right? In our generation, he's a he's my generation player. You know, I looked up to Phil forever. He's San Diego. Went to ASU. He's one of the reasons I went to ASU. He's a solid. I mean, I mean, what was he won? Forty six times, six majors. I mean, you can't play. there's really only one other guy that's ahead of him. I mean, it's Tiger. I mean, it's incredible. The guys, what he's done, how many losses he had to Tiger I and mean, six US Open runner ups. I mean, it's it's beyond impressive what he's done. Not surprising, but impressive. You know what I mean? So
0: Talking of Tiger, if you could take and add it to your game and your career. If you could take one thing from 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 Tiger, what would you take? What would be the one thing you could take? Something mentally, you could take something physically. You could take something from his swing, a shot, a short game. What would
1: you take? It would have been his clutch putting. It would have been his putting. He didn't drive it great. His irons were amazing. His short game was amazing, but his putter was incredible. He when he when the putt had to be made, it was made. That's just bottom line. It was May.
0: And he did it, you know, oh, I talked about Brooks. Years. Brooks has done that, you know, for he did that for a period. Jordan did that for a period. Jason Day did that for a period. did it for a decade. DJ's done that for periods. Yeah. Rory's done it. But to do it, the longevity of it. He did it for a
1: decade. I when mean, you, did it
0: for 10 years. When you saw him, I mean, he's four or five years younger than you must have saw him growing up at junior tournaments and in college and
1: stuff. Did you see something special back then? Tiger? Yeah. Oh, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I met him when we were eight years old. And just, you know, so we, we played, we went to Stanford. ASU played, we played, we went to Stanford to play him. And I told the coach, I said, I'm playing with him. I want to see him for 36 holes. And we played for 36 holes. And <laughs> I got this guy. Was he better than you thought? He was, he was a lot better than I thought.
0: The thing that always impressed me the most about Tiger is his constant, pursuit of not perfection but his constant want to get better and i think that is people don't realize it's it's great to say that and everybody says oh yeah i really want to get better i'll do what it takes but he
1: it's so it. hard to do that he, he actually, did actually did it your life has to revolve around that you have to change your entire life you have to sacrifice everything else for that there are no friends there's no party there's no although we didn't we know we partied but you party you know you don't party you don't you work out you play golf you work out, you play golf, you do all these things, and he did it for such a period of time to become the greatest. Stevie the greatest.
0: Williams told me once that when they won, he never really celebrated no, he
1: any I of the asked, wins. You know what's funny? Up, I asked this. So I went to dinner with him a couple of times, just me and him and his security team, and I, It was just me and him. I said, "You know, so what do you do after you win?" He was like, nothing. And I guy on the plane, I go home and I start over the next day. I'm like. Bro, I'd be hammered for like at least a, a few weeks. He goes, no, can I go back and I get started again because I got. You
0: won the if you I won
1: the, front... the career yeah, Grand yeah. Slam, yeah, yeah, that, you'd I'm, be I'm, dead. I'm out for I'm out for at least a year, <laughs> like a year I'm smashed. He said, no, I go home, I get on my plane. You know, he'll have like a, he said to have like a like a vodka or something, just like one, and then he get home next morning, boom, gym, back at because he he kept seeing the weeks and months ahead of him what he wanted to win and what he had to do to get to those points. You know, it's things like that when I when I talked to him back in the day. I just, I think I missed the boat so much and I just didn't take it serious enough.
0: Do you regret not taking it more seriously earlier? Yeah, early? because I would
1: be in a different position, I think. I think if I, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of the help that I wanted. I wish I would have had more help. I wish I had better instruction. I wish I would have understood the swing, the game, things more. I mean, my putting was... Has been pretty much my savior my whole career, you know. When I putt well, I'm on top. I've I've led putting both time, all three tournaments that I've won, you know. And then hit it great, I, you know. I, I'm I'm coming down of stretch going. God, I hope this you know holds up because I don't really know what the hell I'm doing, you know. So, yeah, I wish I, I wish I'd done kind of a lot of things. I wish I'd had a great instruction. I wish I'd you know worked out. I wish I'd had a better mental look at. It. I wish I'd worked with more people to kind of understand these things, maybe, you know, and take it a hell of a lot more serious than I did.
0: Yeah. But I mean, it's, you you kind of live by your, I mean, you're a very passionate and very, you know, at times volatile person and, and you, you wear, you know, you can run really, really hot. And, you know, maybe if you took it a different approach, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have that kind of passion and that kind of fire.
1: Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think if I would, I, I think a lot of that comes from, questioning like why do these shots keep going this way why why do i hit over here why don't why don't why can't i figure out why this is going this way i think it's a lot of more of of that than just getting mad it's like i just walk around and I get mad it's like if i hit it over here and i continually do it and all of a sudden one goes over, why do these things keep going on why can i not get an answer of why these things happen why why am i you know that that so I think it's more of that of why I get mad. It's not the fact that I'm striping all of a sudden, you know, foul ball.
0: You know you're gonna hit a bad shot. Yeah, of
1: course. But if you constantly do it and you're not getting answers of why these things happen, you're kind of guessing on your own all the time, it becomes very frustrating after an amount of time.
0: If you could change one rule in the rule book for the rules of golf, they say Pat, you can go into the rule book for competitive golf and you can change a rule. What rule would you change?
1: The divot in the fairway.
0: Divot in the fairway.
1: Yeah. If there's sand in it, it's ground and repair. I've done my job. I've hit the. I've hit the fairway. Why do I get penalized being a divot?
0: That's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it should. I mean, it should be. I yeah, mean,
1: it's ground and repair. If you put sand in something and you fixed it, it's ground and repair. Technically, it's ground and repair. You know, I still can't believe they changed the tapping down spikes rule. I mean the guys got screwed in that deal Played in the eighties and nineties when there was nothing but big metal spikes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean they it, just got cut like a minefield. You know, now it's like, oh my god, there's a little spike mark. Soft spike mark. You know?
0: My favorite thing now is when players miss putts and they and they, and they yeah, go and, and they tap they the spike
1: mark See, on they, like, they, basically, they basically screwed themselves. You can't bitch now about missing the putt because <laughs> the greens are phenomenal and you can tap down spike marks. You have a perfect path every time you're putting. I mean guys, you can just go straight down the line. And basically just create a nice smooth path all the way to the hole.
0: It's crazy. Um if you change one thing from an equipment standpoint, if you're the USGA or the RNA and the governing bodies that regulate what equipment players, are you changing the golf ball? Are you changing the driver? Or are you changing
1: I would make I would make that the putter had to be the shortest club in your back? You got, I don't like the anchoring thing. I never liked the anchoring thing. I think this is the most anchoring of all of it. The arm lock. The arm lock is the most anchoring of all of it. You know, I, I don't care about how far it goes. You know, I don't care about the driver head, all this. other stuff. People want to see it go far. Right. You know, courses are not outdated from it. Yeah, they become a little easier. But, you know, you still got to make putts. The hardest thing is still making that six-footer with a slider. You know, everybody hits it far now. I, you know, I'm short. So if anybody would bitch about the distance, it'd be me, but I don't because, you know, I wish I could hit that far, but these guys are just bigger, faster, better, stronger. It's just the way it is. So I think going backwards on that is ridiculous. I think the anchoring of the putter, you know, having a long putter, whatever, some guys have, have struggled, you know, with a short putter. You can tell, like if Adam, you know, I don't know how Adam Scott would do with a short putter. You know, He's you going some, back and forth. I mean, you, know, he, you, know, you see he, some, you see a lot of these kids coming out of college now with the anchor with the arm lock with the arm lock. You know, what yeah. would they do without it? You know, everyone got out of the belly putter, and then they went to the arm lock. Well, they found out the arm lock is easier. You know, when you got arm lock and you've got a claw going at twenty-one, twenty-two. I don't know. To me, there's nerves and putting that that happen when you're coming down the stretch of something. And I I base these off of players that have won a lot and big time things. Okay, I go off Arnie. I go off Jack Gary Player. Hogan, uh, obviously Tiger, Phil. Greg Norman. Greg Norman. Um, who else in that category? Faldo. Faldo. What's all the common theme on that? Short, regular, length, putter. Yep. So I base things kind of off of that.
0: Greens what, books, are you okay with them? No, Outlawing the Greens they book? Gotta
1: go. They got to go. But the problem is they opened that can of worms years ago. So now everybody's already got the information. So how are you going to dictate what can go in someone's book and what can't? You already let the cat out of the bag. The greens books have never happened in the first place. So
0: because there are a lot of players that think that you know reading greens is an art.
1: It's an art. If you can't do it, if you want to go do figure out the aim point, go ahead. Go ahead. If you want to learn the science of it and do all that stuff, I still don't see everybody making putts with the aim point either. You're still going to make a stroke, but there's when there's nerves involved and you've got a crutch where you can put this up here and kind of take out that nerve. But, like, look at Zell Torres the other day. Missed one from there. <laughs> barely hit the ball. And he's arm lock and, and he's claw. So barely, you can still miss it. Barely hit the hole. Yeah, you, you can still miss it. You know, I, I I don't know. I just base things off of, like, the best. I consider the guys that have won a lot of majors, a lot of, you know, tournaments, all short putt. But there's nerves involved. You know, putting is a nervy little thing. Look at Scott Oak, for Christ's sake. Look yeah. at uh, Doug Sanders with the – I mean <laughs> – you know those things. Those are that's part of the game, and and green reading and speed. It's that's part of the game. The green book. Or you guys have these sheets that are this big, you know, and reading the thing and trying to find out every little arrow. It, it takes the game out of it. You still got you still got to read it 100 you know, percent, all that kind of stuff. But reading a green and and making it just on basically, it's a guess. You're guessing what it's going to do. Top, if you guess it right, then you can make it. Top
0: five best players you've played with on tour? Uh,
1: Tiger, uh, DJ, uh, Phil. I think JD is the most underrated. <laughs> I think John Daly is the most underrated gifted player really? that's ever, ever walked the earth. Yeah, I You
0: mean, spent a lot of time with John, but you know, do you think the personal life and the, the off course stuff kind of killed makes people not really realize how good he was?
1: I think so. A lot of circus off the course, but talent-wise, some of the most unbelievable shots. You know, the, if you ever look at his positions, everybody thinks he swings so along. But if you look at his positions and how his body moved through, it's just goes anybody's touch club.
0: So we got Tiger, we got Tiger Phil, DJ, DJ, JD, and, JD. and who's number five?
1: Uh, impressive, wide, or just player? Just, just just player I've played with. I mean, Rory was as impressive. As I've I mean, seen. I mean, Rory's as impressive as him. I'm telling you, driver-wise. I mean, I know, I know the captain can hit this beautiful cut, you know, like he does, and when he's running, he's running. But Rory's literally the. I mean, it's the best driver I've ever seen of the ball. I think I didn't get. To, I never played Norman, so that's why he's not in my deal. But he was obviously impressive as well.
0: Did you play other sports growing up,
1: or, did, tried, or were you just tried, a golfer? I tried football for a minute. <laughs> And I was obviously way too small. We had these drills where you were about 20 yards apart, and you had to meet in the middle. And, I, of course, I had a guy who was like DJ size. You know, his guy's 6'4". He's over there laughing. Like, he can't wait. I'm, I'm bleeding around like 145 pounds at a time. And he hits me, and I go this way. And I got out, and I fired my helmet. And I said, that's it. And I was gone. That was enough for me. My football career was over. I didn't like baseball because I didn't want to get hit. Soccer was way too much running. <laughs> But I was winning at golf. I beat everybody in, in San Diego, and then I got a I got a full ride of day of shoe. I'm like, that's my deal.
0: Who got you into golf?
1: My dad. So my ex, my grandmother got my dad into it because she played with, uh, you know, her. My mom's dad died of cancer early, uh, but he, my dad, came back from Nam, and my mom, my grandma, said, if you're gonna be in this family, you gotta learn how to play golf. So when he came back, they learned. And then he used to take me out when I was like three and four. And I won my first tournament at seven. And I, you know, I, I played, I won a lot of tournaments at San Diego Junior Golf. And won Junior World at 17 and went to ASU and that was it. Who,
0: who played the Junior World that you won? I beat Tiger by eight. You, you beat
1: Tiger by eight? By eight. What year? 93. 93. I think that's the last time I beat him. <laughs> They still bring it up. They brought it up a couple of times in interviews, you know. I huh? he chaps his ass, which is great. <laughs> he does not like that loss. Because he was going for eight junior awards, which is literally unbelievable. But I have pictures on my phone from growing up. 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, 17. We were all on the podium together, which is – Did he have the big
0: um, – he, he used to have – before he had the LASIK surgery, he had the big kind of um, uh, Coke was, bottle. Yeah,
1: that was that was when we were 10 and under. The, he had, the Urkel glasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he was wearing uh, – I think he was wearing – I can't remember what how he was wearing that picture. Is it Tar Hills or something else? He's, uh, he used to wear the Le de golf. Remember yeah. that? It was uh I've got the picture. I can't remember what the hell he was wearing. I think it was Arius. I think he had arius, old school. On. But yeah, it was uh you know, looking back at it now, it's actually pretty cool to be to be in these pictures with him with mm-hmm. considerably the greatest player ever. You know, it's, it's pretty cool that we grew up together. And, you know, I sent him a text after he won his, his 82nd at uh, Zozo. He was down the gym getting ready. I was leaving the next day. He was getting on his plane. I kind of said, bro, I got to be honest with uh, it's been an absolute honor to watch you. You know, we're only three months apart. But it's been incredible to watch what you've become, you know, in the last... 30 years did you respond or did he blow you up? no he did oh I, no he's like thanks brother you know this i said Bro, i'm not trying to blow smoke I said, i'm just letting you know from someone that's known you the longest out here that it's absolutely just it's been amazing to watch and glad i could be part of it. you know you think about being the same age as some guy and growing up with him your whole life and watching this it's like you don't realize that you're watching history in the you know history in the making as you're going because you're the same age it's not like i'm looking up because you're looking older, right at him, looking right at him. You mm-hmm. can't beat him, but I'm looking right at him. You know, but it's incredible. When he's done for our sport, when he's done for everything, uh, you know, giving us opportunities that he has, it's just, um, it's unbelievable. I, it's just, I just hope he can actually come back from this last accident because that would be an absolute tragic shame if he couldn't play golf again.
0: You showed me a picture yesterday that you're a video of your wife arriving to your house, and there were.
1: How many boxes
0: outside of your house of of nine, new Jordan shoes? It was nine boxes. Nine boxes. Bo- not happy about that. Where does and where did the lifelong, you know, obsession and fascination with with Jordan sneakers come from?
1: Well, when I was about twelve, the kid there was a kid that had the the Cement fours and he was done with them. They were basically trash, and he threw them away. But I couldn't afford them; they're two hundred bucks. We didn't have. I mean, we we couldn't afford to pay attention, so. You know, this kid threw them away. I picked him up, put them on, wore them till the little- Did you clean bottom. them up? Oh, yeah. Literally, new I laces? Just wore, no, just wore them until the bottom fell off. And I'm like, I'm going to get these shoes one day. So I went through high school. I went through college. Couldn't afford anything. And then when I got out, I started making a little bit of money. I started buying some shoes. I what, said. Was first, when the, when money, what
0: was the first- When you started making them what was the first Jordan- new
1: cement for It was a new cement floor. I think I paid like So you six... had one out of the
0: trash can, and then you yeah, bought yourself a got, new pair.
1: And then now, I wore them today on the golf course. So MJ- they let me they make my own so funny enough fast forward to the monaco trip we go on the jordan trip a couple years ago and i'm sitting with mj just like this it's me ashley my wife he's over there and we're on this poker table at seats 15 there's a there's a jump man like this in the middle of it. it's got to be like four feet and we're overlooking monaco we're drinking his tequila smoking cigar i'm thinking how in the hell did i get in this position I mean, how did I get to here? I'm a signed Jordan athlete. How in the hell am I sitting with Michael Jordan, my absolute In idol? Monaco. In Monaco, my absolute idol in life. And I'm signed with his company. How am I here? Now I asked him, I said, hey, man, I said, I know we're on the 11s this year. I said, but, you know, my f- first pair was a cement four. You know, I'm kind of like this. And now I'm like, can we do the 11 in the cement? You know, he's like, we'll just make the four in a golf shoe. like, what do you mean? He's like, bro, just call up G and tell him to make you a four-in-a-golf show. I ran over to G, <laughs> Gentry, and I said, bro, he gave me the okay, he give me the okay, and I got him. It took like seven months to get him. When I got him, I literally almost started crying because I looked at this thing going, I have two pairs of shoes that don't exist in the golf world. I have two with – it had the Tiger bottom on We but it had the Jumpman on the bottom. And I literally I, – I had to pick the absolute perfect days to wear them outside because it was just my thing. I mean, the, the Jordan brand, the shoes – have become like a cult. I mean, I went to SneakerCon in Dallas you know, a couple weeks ago. It was like thirty thousand people there, and it's just only for the shoe. It's just I don't know how it's become that way, but it's just my thing. I don't I don't collect cars. I don't collect coins. I don't collect, but I collect shoes.
0: How many pairs of Jordans do you have
1: currently? Uh, I, I think it's in the like, conservative estimate thirteen hundred range. <laughs> It's unbelievable. But these packages come every month. I mean, one, one, one month I got 14 boxes. There had to be. There was a hundred. I counted. There was 182 items between clothing and shoes. 182 items that came in these boxes. And I sit up there like a kid at Christmas. And I open one at a time. You know, I look at the shirt and I I spend like an hour up there. My wife's like, what the hell is the matter with you? You're a grown man. And you're this excited about getting that." I go, "Man, this is... This is Christmas, Marie. Every month, I'm waiting for that package to show up, and I get these new shoes, and I try them on, I walk out on the stairs, and but I, of them, I only wear like five percent of the shoes I have. Like I just cannot get myself to go outside. There's a
0: there's a great picture of your shoe closet. I
1: heard you're building a new shoe closet. I am. It's uh it's gonna be sick. So I got a black epoxy floor shining. I've got an eight foot jump man on the bottom. I put shelves up. I got seventeen rows and seventeen rows, and the whole it's only gonna hold about six hundred, maybe. 650 in there so it's only gonna be the choice ones ones that i'll never wear but it'll be the showcase but then we're actually going to knock down my daughter's room piper so it's going to be in the end it'll probably be able to hold about 2,000 shoes when it's all done we're going to knock out a wall knock out hers because she's going to move into her own room baby's going to have his own room so now i'm going to literally have something that's like i don't know Six hundred square feet, seven hundred square feet.
0: Does the baby already have a pair of
1: Jordans? She has about twenty.
0: And and the new
1: the new the boys were working already. Already working I, on. I'm always on Nike Elite, trying to uh, figure. I got him a little jumper last night. He can't really. He can't. He's not really going to wear any shoes until he gets six months, something like that. So, but I'll start. I'm going to start building now. But he's got. If he gets to my size, eleven and a half, he's going to be in business one day when I die. Good to talk to you. Thank you.
0: So that was Pat Perez. And as I teased in the opener, hot takes, not afraid to speak his opinion. And that's the thing I love most about Pat is um, at times he can be kind of a live wire. But, um, you know, he's one of the, the the old guard on tour. He's been out there a long time. And um, one of those guys I think everyone roots for. So always good to talk to Pat. All right. So questions. One length irons. The real deal wedges through hybrid. Obviously, everyone knows it. Bryson DeChambeau is kind of the poster child for one-length irons. Full disclosure, we're both with Cobra Puma. And when he turned pro, I was talking to him a lot about the one-length, you know, all the clubs the same length and, you know, just kind of picking his brain. And he said to me, listen, um, give it a try. Tell me what you think. And so I got, um, and we were doing a photo shoot kind of for Cobra one year. And there was a demo, like the first demo set of one-length clubs when they were first coming out. And um, I got them graphite shafts and I will that was what maybe four years ago. I will never go back to hitting regular length golf clubs, one lengths for some reason they just work for me. I've, I've got on launch monitors and tested all the different you know sets of irons uh, that I get and I hit the one length the best. I had back surgery, got a microdisectomy 2011. and so, Um, I've got a lot of early extension in my golf swing to where my lower body kind of gets closer to the golf ball and my upper body goes back. So hitting long irons for me has always been a challenge. You know, anything over kind of a six iron, five irons, you know, I hit them thin, I hit them heavy. And the one length, because everything's kind of that length of a seven iron, it's just easier for me to control the golf club. Um, You know, I do most of my, like a lot of golfers, I think a lot of golfers do a lot of their practice with seven irons. When I'm working with players and giving lessons, after players warm up and we're going to watch them hit golf balls, I'll say, listen, go ahead and hit a a seven iron for me and let's go ahead and do that. So if you haven't tried them, give them a try because I think they are legit. Um, I'll never go back. And so for me, they're here to stay. I use regular length wedges. So I don't do the the one length um, in the wedges, but I do use uh, the irons. And like I said, uh, I won't be going back. Uh, So check them out. Good question. Is a tour player's mindset to try and birdie every single hole or does it depend on the length of the hole? I mean, if you talk to Annika Sorenstam, I mean, her mindset, you know, growing up was to try and this, this idea that you could birdie every hole. And I think one of the questions that I get asked a lot by guys that are playing on mini tours, maybe guys that aren't on tour yet and they're trying to get some sort of playing card or privileges somewhere is... Listen, you know, I get good rounds going where I get four or five under and I've got four or five holes left to go. And I find it really hard to finish the rounds and I kind of coast and maybe take my foot off the gas. If you talk to the best players in the world, if they're six under standing on the 14th tee, they're going to try and get to seven, eight. Or nine under, and I think that is one that is a mindset that that great players get into. In that they're not afraid to try and birdie every hole, they're not afraid to go low. I remember when I first started working, you know, years ago uh, with Brooks Koepka. One of the things that impressed me the most about Brooks was when he was playing on the Challenge Tour is that he could shoot really, really low scores. He was throwing out sixty twos and sixty threes and sixty fours. And the first time Phil Mickelson played with him in a practice round. Um, at Muirfield that Phil ended up winning. Phil was asking me about Brooks and said, you know, where's he play? What's he doing? And I told him the kind of the story that he he was on the challenge tour at that time, and but he'd shot a lot of low scores. And Phil said, you know what? I really like that because shooting low scores, I don't care where you're playing. If you're a player that can do that, it shows you that you can get into a different mindset. So um, definitely something that you want to think about. Um, I think a lot of players, when they get good rounds going, they just try and coast and they go into kind of prevent and kind of playing defense. And um, I think that's that's a big, big mistake. You want to try and keep focused, keep trying to make good swings and and really focus on, on trying to, you know, tour players, they're trying to birdie every hole. Uh, I had a question, do you set goals? Yeah, I mean obviously as a as a golf instructor, I challenge myself in the same way that I challenge, you know, the players that I work with. You have to get better. I try and be a better instructor every year than I am the previous year and um you know, I've been teaching golf a long time. I'm in my early 50s and I really try to get better every year. I want to try and become a better instructor. I want to try and become a better communicator. I want to have more knowledge. So I definitely think that whether you're a player, whether you're an instructor, whatever you're doing in life, goal setting is really, really huge. Um, I think it's important to write your goals down. I do that at the beginning of every year, and I keep them in a little journal and write them down. I don't really share them with a lot of other people, um, but I do think that writing them down kind of gives them power because you can go back and look at them. And if you're halfway through the year and you go back and look at the goals that you've written down and realize you haven't done anything, in the first six months of the year to achieve any of those, I think it can sometimes be an eye-opener. And then if halfway through the year or the end of the year, you wrote down some things and you say to yourself, yeah, you can be honest and say you you achieved them, I think that's, that's massive. So big on goal setting, and um, I do it just as much as I expect players to do it. Do your players question or challenge you often? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of it. If you're in a relationship with a player, they they should be asking you questions. I always say to golf instructors, and I always say to players that if you ask someone their opinion, they'll give it to you. So as a player, if you're going to work with a, an instructor, if you're going to ask them to help you and ask them for their opinion, they're going to give it to you. And if something doesn't sound right, or you don't understand something, or as a player... It's your job to ask the instructor as many questions as possible. And and I never have problems with players at any level asking me questions about why we're doing something or what they're doing or to explain things better. And I think one of the great things that you need to have to be a great um, instructor is to be able to communicate. So I, I welcome questions from all of the players that I work with, because I think that kind of open dialogue really can help, um, you know, help you fix problems and help you solve problems. So I'm big on, uh, people asking questions because I think it's, it's a huge part of the learning process. So next week, a podcast that I'm really excited to get out, um, Amanda Balionis, you know, her from her time at CBS. She's one of, you know, she's one of the really, really up-and-coming voices in the game of golf. And I think the job that she's doing at CBS has been, you know, really, really special. I think she brings something different to the telecast. And her journey and her story about how she got involved in TV, how she got involved in golf, um, is definitely going to be one that you want to listen to. So that's next week, Amanda Balionis. Um, We're about two months into the podcast, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, We've had some good feedback. Um, We're going to keep... Trying to get good guests on. We're going to keep trying to get you to ask good questions. Subscribe, rate, review, and thanks everyone for listening. Off Course with Claude Hammerin comes to you every Wednesday. Check it out.